praise and worship music, call it, you know, whatever. One of the criticisms from a lot of people is that it's, it's too repetitive and it's too loud. And uh, I think there are some times when it takes something repetitive and loud to, uh, to get to the, to the core of you, you know. It takes something that you have to literally be screaming over and over and over again and so sometimes that is that's the straw that breaks the camel's back you know and songs like that and um, yeah I'm very thankful for that song um, tonight we wrap up a series that in many ways started back in June um and we kind of took the month of June to kind of ramp up to a series on spiritual gifts. And uh, so tonight is the conclusion of that. Um, and tonight we're going to get really practical. And I'm not going to talk for an hour and 11 minutes like I did last week. Uh, I mean, we broke it up, but still, that's, if you go get the podcast, that's how long it is. So just be warned. Wait till you're, like, driving to, you know, Lake Charles or something before you... Uh, listen to it, but um, we're going to, of course, start off in 1 Corinthians 12, because I really want us to, um, to have a, a base definition um, to be able to come away with this, and no better place to find it than in the Word of God. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, has been our working definition of spiritual gifts. There's lots of definitions out there. And a lot of them are good. I just like the fact that you can find pretty much everything you need to know in one verse. And, um, yeah, maybe that's just me. In 12.7, this is what it says. Um, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. All right? So we're going to leave this verse up here and hack it apart real quick. Um, so to each, all right, to every person who is a Christian, this happens to Every single one, without exception, um, God has chosen a way, um, or sometimes multiple ways, that He shows up in your life. And um, I think sometimes people feel like they uh, have been passed over in this sense. But biblically, everybody who's, who is really a Christian, who has crossed over from death into life uh, through what Jesus did on the cross... Um, Everyone has been given this manifestation of the Spirit, okay? So to each is given, all right? Um, God Himself crafted you and me in a very specific way. That before we were born, um, He knew everything about us, and He has shaped us and formed us just like He wanted us. Our personalities, our tendencies, um, and uh, included in that is the way that He shows up in our lives. 
And that in and of itself kind of reframes uh, life, if you think about it. Because, I mean, all of us have things that we w wish we could change about ourselves, you know? Lose a few pounds, we wish we were funnier, smarter, or better fishermen, or, you know, whatever. Um, like, we all have these things where we're like, oh, I wish I could do this or this. And we look at other people and we're like, man, if I could only, uh, you know, uh, if I could only play rhythm guitar like Cody Smith. You know, that was mine until I learned how to play rhythm guitar and got better than him. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, big joke. Um, you know, and so we all have those things where we're like, oh, I wish I could do this. But then there's some of those deeper things about our personality, you know, or, you know, I, w I, wish, I wish I wasn't, like, um, so, so, I wish I didn't have such a dry sense of humor, you know, or um, I, wish, I, wish I, I wish I caught on to things more quickly or, you know, I, I wish I was encouraging like this person, or full of joy like this person, or driven to pray like this person. And um, while some of those things are very healthy changes in our lives, we also have to consider the fact that, that God made us just like He wanted us. And sometimes it's those very weaknesses that He uses in our lives. But that's a whole other sermon series, so let's hit pause on that thought. So to each one is, is given, meaning that he's, he has chosen very specifically how he wants to show up in your life. This verse calls it the manifestation of the, of the Spirit, all right? Spirit with a capital S. Um, that the Spirit of God literally shows up in our lives, um, is manifested in a way that is very unique. And um, that's pretty cool when you think about it. Um, there's so many things about God um, and nobody could really manifest all of them except for Jesus. Like the first song that we sang tonight about, um, uh, he's the, the everlasting God, the everlasting God. Um, you do not faint, you won't grow weary. So there's some people who, those are some of the qualities of God that they exhibit. Because you know the people who are absolutely faithful, who um, they may be physically tired, but that's not going to stop them from serving someone, helping someone out somehow. Uh, praying for someone, getting up early to get into the Word. There are those people who, they're just rocks, you know. Um, it, goes, it says, you're the defender of the weak. All right? That's, a, that's something about God that's manifested in us, that we should be looking to help give a voice to those whose voice is often not heard in society, to those who are hurting and going through difficult times, that, that we defend them. Um, it says, you, you comfort those in need. All right? We're comforters. Um, and so, like, those are all different ways that God's Spirit manifests in us. But nobody can do all of those things and do them 100% fully, you know, whatever. And so what God has done is He's, like, assembled the church, and He's uniquely given each of us different ways of, to manifest different parts of His personality and His Spirit. And so in one sense, we're, we're all called to all of those things. We're all called to be faithful and to have mercy and compassion and to serve and to lead and all that kind of stuff. But then there are certain ways that um, certain um, parts of God's personality that come out stronger in you than others. And so they all, we all have these different things. So really, collectively, this church and every church should like manifest most of the like the qualities of God, the character of God, the heart of God, when you look at the group as a whole. That would be the ideal, is, is, is 
those specific, like really strong manifestations in all of our personalities are coming out. And so when you look at the church as a whole, you get a pretty good snapshot of what Jesus would be like. And so to each one of us, he's given these, these manifestations of the Spirit. And it says, for the common good. Then the point of all those manifestations, uh, like I've said, is not to make you look awesome. You may be awesome, but that's not the point. Those manifestations are there um, to build up the church, to uh, strengthen us both, both inwardly and outwardly. Okay? Outwardly, so that when people look at us, they see Christ. They don't get hung up and be like, oh, the ring is awesome. They're like, uh, who the ring like, serves and loves and adores? That guy. That God is awesome. Um, so that's the, the outward strengthening. But then with, within, um, as we go through different things in life, this is how the, the church is built. Okay? So take, take Jonathan. All right, bring Jonathan up. We talk about him having this surgery tomorrow. The ways that, um, like your first thoughts, we said we're going to pray for Jonathan. This is what's going on. The most natural ways that we all respond to that situation, that's a pretty good indication of some of those, the ways that the Spirit manifests in your, in your life. So some of you were immediately thinking, okay, I need to, I need to make food for him and his mom. Some of you are thinking, I need, to, I need to make sure and I need to email his mom or call his mom. Um, some are thinking, I need to go to the hospital tomorrow. Some of you are thinking, I need to go, I need to pray with him specifically tonight before he leaves or go there tomorrow um, or whatever. And some of you in his community group are like, how can our group respond to this? And um, some people were like, we need to pray, that boy, we need to pray he'd be healed tonight, you know. And so you're about to jump out of your seat until we actually brought him up, prayed for him. Um, and, and so all these, these different things, Different, just natural responses. Um, these are all ways. And so what happens is, Jonathan is built up as a part of the church. Everybody that's responding is built up because you're using your gifts. And so, from an on an individual level all the way to a corporate level, as those gifts are being used, that's where the common good part comes from. Then people his, friend, his mom and, and he and his mom are friends with, maybe who don't know Christ, they hear about all these responses, and then so from the outside, they're like, man, that's, that's really awesome. So faith built inwardly, faith um, displayed outwardly, uh, the common good, is, that's what happens. It's all about building the church for the glory of Christ. Okay, So to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, we often get caught up in details and lists and, and all this kind of stuff about gifts, but that is like just a broad stroke of what spiritual gifts are all about. And so we've kind of had this mixture of, of us um, kind of just embracing the fact that God like, made us in a specific way to, to show the world certain aspects of his character. We've talked about how all those things come together, and uh, like Paul used the analogy of, of, of it's like a, like a human body, um, and how we all come together like Voltron or something and like make this like body, you know, and how awesome that is, and how... How every, every part of, of the body looks out for everything else. And, um, and so that's a part of those gifts in action. That when someone's faith is being threatened, when someone has a crisis in life, um, the most natural ways that we respond to that, that's how those gifts are coming out. And what we're trying to do is, is to protect and to edify um, from our faith in God and our dependence on Him 
for the faith of other people. It's all about building the church, all about the glory of Christ. And so we walk through the, the gifts that are listed. Um, on the back of the sheet that you got on the way in, there's a list of the gifts and where you can find them. We kind of went through all of them and, and talked about what they look like. But see, there are more gifts than are listed in Scripture. I mean, all the lists are different, and you know, all this. There's just this debate about it, but but really, that's those are examples. But that's not an exhaustive list, so don't get all paranoid if you can't figure out what you are on the list. Um, there's a whole bunch more. Um, I could make up ways just based on the different w- ways that God manifests in different people's lives. Things that aren't on that list that I would say you have the gift of this, and you might be like, that's not even a word. You know, I'm like, ah, that's the only way I can describe it. Like, I see God in you in this specific way. And if it meets all the qualifications of spiritual gifts biblically, then maybe that's the way that God has gifted you and wired you up. And so in the beginning of chapter 12, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed about gifts. And so we've tried to do my best to, uh, to lay the, the, set the table, you know, and so tonight, I want to just give us a few practical things. It's like, okay, I feel like I have a grasp of what they are and, and why we have them and how they function and what the examples kind of look like. Now I, don't, now I need to know where to go. Some practical ways I can figure out how I'm wired um, and where to go from there. Flip to uh, 1 Peter chapter 4. Here's the, basics. Here's the, the basic idea of tonight. 1 Peter chapter 4, this is one of the texts that talks about gifts. But I like Peter, man, because he just takes like, uh, he just puts them in two big chunks. You know, Paul's like, I'll listen all these specific ones, and he's like, people who talk, people who serve. Look at verse, uh, verse 10, verses 10 and 11 in chapter 4. It says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Strong. Look at verse uh, verse 10, the end of verse 10. Um, Or look at the whole verse. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Okay? So that's each has received from God, all right? Each one received from God to serve one another, just like 12.7 that we just looked at, pretty much the same concept, as good stewards of God's varied grace. See, spiritual gifts um, have been entrusted to us. A steward is, a, is in the, the, the Bible days, is a, is a household manager, okay? So someone would... Would, like someone was wealthy or whatever, and they would have a house, and they would have a steward who was over different parts of their estate or different parts of the house. And so um, the owner of, of the house would entrust the steward with, with money, with um, overseeing the, uh, like the way that uh, things went down, if it was like keeping up the crops or you know, managing the, the other like, uh, people that worked there or, or whatever, if it was making sure there was food, if it was whatever. Um, a, a steward was someone that was completely trusted by the owner of the home. And so this is referencing that idea that we are to be good stewards of God's varied grace. That each, each way that God has gifted us, every single one of us, 
that he's looked at us and he says, okay, I'm, I'm entrusting you with this gift. I'm entrusting you with the gospel. And I'm entrusting you with this very unique way that my spirit manifests through you. Peter says we need to be good stewards. We know how Jesus felt about good stewards versus bad stewards because he tells a couple of stories about it. He really likes when, um, in, in his stories, when the stewards who, who took what they were entrusted with and they did something with it. And he really doesn't like the ones who like buried it in, a, in the ground or hid it in a like, handkerchief or something. Read the stories, it's cool. So if God has entrusted us with something, we need to manage it well and use it well. And a part of that is for us to figure out exactly how we're all wired. So I did some reading, and I you know, did some surfing on the uh, World Wide Web, and uh, kind of just went to looking around and just kind of pulled some things together, combined with some just experience and stuff. I just want to give us five things to think about, to pray, to consider, however you want to word it, all right, to be good stewards. Here's the first one. If you're a note taker, you're going to love tonight because there's like five bullet points, so um, this one's for you. Um, the first one is to ask God. I don't know. Earth-shattering, right? Everybody's going to be Twittering that tonight. Quoting me, ask God. <laughs> Revolutionary, right? Um, you don't have to flip to it, but look at James 1, 5, and 6. Um, when it comes to asking God, this is talking about wisdom. Um, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. That's where I got it. From that verse. Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. The next verse says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. He's like, okay, if you want wisdom, you need to, you need to ask. And so this whole process of figuring out how you're wired is going to be a prayerful one. Don't think that you can go get on the internet, fill out a spiritual gift survey, and have that be the stopping point. It's going to involve prayer. It's going to involve asking and listening and processing. But we have to ask in faith. Don't let doubt creep in and don't, you know, don't get like flustered if you like get really sincere tonight on the way home and he doesn't like send down a beam from heaven and like answer you or whatever and then just throw it all in. I mean, give him some time. Maybe the process of you discovering your spiritual gifts is a really important one. Um, I'll tell you about mine in a few minutes, but even though it took years, uh, I wouldn't trade it. Because I started asking, and he, he answered pretty quickly, but then he like, drugged some of them out a long time. And uh, the process is what I needed. Because if he had told me right away, I would have been, I, oh man, I would have freaked out. 19 years old, you're going to be a pastor of a church that's going to start from scratch. <laughs> no, I will not. Thank you. Sorry I asked. Um, all right, so the first one, ask God. The second one um, involves a little self-evaluation. Might seem a little too elementary. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says this. It says, all these, okay, after listing, go through these gifts, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually 
as he wills. Okay? So like I said earlier, um, God has, has apportioned each, to each one of us at, just like he wants, at his pleasure, at his desire. So it would only make sense for us to look at our lives trying to figure out how we're gifted. So we're asking God, and we're praying in faith, and then we sit down, and you just look at your life. Start with, what are you interested in? What brings you great joy? What kind of abilities do you have? I mean, those are very simple things. When you, when you think about spiritual gifts, and you think about ministering to other people, and, and, and like, what is, what part of God do you most love to show people? Is it compassion? Is it mercy? Is it faithfulness? Is it strength? Is it justice? I mean, like, whatever it is, start there. Look at your natural tendencies. Um, one of the, like, the best pieces of advice I ever heard was, was someone say, okay, what, you want to know where to serve in the church? What frustrates you the most about the church? And someone will say, um, it frustrates me that, um, that people come to church and nobody talks to them. Makes me, just makes me mad. Okay? Well, maybe your frustration um, is a good starting point for prayer. Maybe you're supposed to be the guy who makes sure that that doesn't happen to anybody else. Maybe hospitality is one of the ways that you are gifted and wired. See, Sometimes it's the negative stuff in life that actually gets us going somewhere. Um, where, how have you been blessed in past experiences of ministry? Look, look at your life history and, and go back to, to points where people walk through tragedy and just difficult times. And, and what are the, the things you look back on and you're like, man, that was, those are some crazy days, but there's something about it that I just loved. What was it? How did you respond in that situation? What was it about that mission trip? You know? What was it about that night at community group that just stands out in your mind where you're like, this is what it's, this is what it's about? What, what was it? Look, just look at your life. That if God has apportioned gifts just like He wants, it's a pretty good, good place to begin to pray. So some self-evaluation. Now you gotta you gotta check your motive. You gotta be aware of the fact that if you love yourself more than you love the Lord and you love others, it's gonna be a problem. A lot of people want to know their spiritual gifts and they really want to use them, but when it comes down to it, they're always gonna choose themselves over whatever it is. And that's the thing about gifts is that it's it's about God and it's about other people, and you're like definitely third at best. And so you may find in your self-evaluation that you're like, man, I, really, I live a pretty self-absorbed life. That's why I say the process may be pretty important to God, too. Um, that was, well, that's definitely the case to this day for me. Um, and so, yeah. So the self, second one, a little self-evaluation. The third one um, would be to ask others. In uh, 1 Timothy 4... We looked at this verse uh, briefly not too long ago. Um, Paul's writing this uh, letter to Timothy and uh, puts this little deal in there. Um, 4 verse 14 says, Do not neglect the gift you have, 
which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Whenever we send missionaries out or we do different things, we will gather around them and we'll lay our hands on them. And one thing I always talk about, how this is, this is our way of affirming. We see God moving in your life. We, see, we believe that this is um, His will for your life. And it's that affirmation that's there. Um, so this third one will be to ask other people. That's a part of our membership process. You go, you go to a class. And then you pray, and if you feel like this is the place for you, there's a devotional that we, we go through, and part of it is about spiritual gifts. And one of the things we ask you to do is to ask someone who knows you really, really well um, how they think you're gifted. Paul and the elders of this church apparently saw these gifts in Timothy enough to um, ordain him and to send him out. So ask somebody else, like, hey, this is, might be kind of weird, but uh, how, in what ways am I like Jesus? And they'll be like, ah, uh, 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 every way, you know, like they won't know what to say. But seriously, like, get someone that, that, who really knows your life, and you can explain. This is why I'm asking. Maybe they, go to, maybe they go to church, or maybe they don't. You can explain to them. It's like, I know this is weird, but you're, you're one of my closest friends. I really, honestly value what you see um, in my life. And so ask them. So as you're asking God, and as you're doing some self-evaluation, you also get... Get some, uh, you know, opinions of others. But make sure it's people who are solid, people that you trust. Not people who are just going to appease you and tell you what you want to hear and whatever. Because you may need to hear, I don't really know because you're pretty self-absorbed. Maybe that needs to be, you know, what you hear. I'm sensing a theme here. Um, So ask other people. The fourth one. Think about our church. 1 Corinthians 14.12 says this. It says, So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, okay, since you're eager for spiritual gifts, strive to excel in building up the church. So you consider the church that you're a part of. I know some of you are not a part of this church, so think about it in, in your own context. But I'm going to talk about our church because I'm the pastor. So um, you think about the church. This is saying, okay, you're eager for gifts then strive to build up the church. So you need to look at our church and say, okay, what, how do we need to be built? What's missing from our church? And that sounds kind of judgmental and kind of whatever, but I mean, you know, you all have opinions. There are things you love about our church and there are things you can't stand about our church. Maybe that's a good place to start too. Because he says... Um, strive to excel in building up the church. Strive to excel. That implies some hard work. That implies asking some tough questions and thinking about some difficult things. And so maybe we need to sit back and look at things and say, okay, what does our church need? And you start praying about, "Am am I the one to meet that need? If you go back to uh, people not getting talked to when they come to church. If you think that's a problem at this church and that frustrates you, then maybe you are the solution or a part of the solution. And if you can find a way to make everybody incredibly nice, you come. let's talk, we'll write a book, we'll make a lot of money. Because that is a problem in every church in America, it seems like. And I believe we're all supposed to be hospitable. 
I believe that we should not necessarily uh, have to figure out and like place friendly people strategically around the room. But I'll do that way before I'll just sit back and just let people not get talked to and not address it. But you take something like that, something that you think is a problem, and you ask God, how can I help be a part of the solution? I get up here every couple months and be like, we really need consistency in nursery volunteers. How are you a, a part of making that better? Does that mean you have the spiritual gift of nursery? No. <laughs> but we're all called to serve, and we're all called uh, to invest in those younger than us. And so maybe it's on how you look at it. So one... In one sense, it's about what do we need. In another sense, about it's about what do we offer. Um, I read a lot about uh, in this idea of like how do you discover your spiritual gifts. About church leaders really needing to, to look at look at how the church is 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 uh, functioning, and make sure that there are enough opportunities for people to plug in and use their gifts. So I started thinking about. It. I was like, I want I want to be objective. And there are some, some areas of church life where, uh, where we, we are not open to that. And there are a few, and that was, that was good for me to sit back and think about. But then I started thinking, there's a, there's a lot that, that are. I mean, community groups alone, and that's one of my consistent examples about gifts, but I mean, that's, that's like a 12, 15-person context for you to know people and to respond as life hits and as things happen, and whatever, to naturally respond with people that you know, I mean, it is, it is the classroom where spiritual gifts are applied and refined, and I mean, like, it, there's no better example that I can think of than that. Because you may look around and be like, man, there's like a hundred and something people here, and how, how's my gift going to make a difference? Well, some gifts have a corporate impact. I mean, like have the like Sunday night impact. And some of them are going to have a, a community group impact. So you maybe wouldn't, wouldn't want to like, get up on stage and do anything, or you wouldn't want to like, just do whatever, but in a small group setting, you're like, I know these people, I love these people, and they love me, and so um, this person just said this in community group, we need to stop and pray, and with all like, love and, and respect for the leadership that's here, I'm like, hey, can we stop and pray? And you don't have to be a jerk about it, but it's like, hey, um, kind of feeling that we need to do this. Kind of feeling like we need to organize like, some meals, you know, whatever. Like your group, your community group leaders are gonna be fine. I mean, don't you know? Don't embarrass them in front of everybody or whatever. But I mean, that's that's what that's for. But now I was thinking about uh, about other things. I mean, of course, there's a nursery, and I'll probably just keep talking about that one because I need to. Um, we ask everybody, and we want everybody to serve in the nursery. The more people on the rotation, the longer between your Sundays. You spend time with kids. You minister to the parents. You free them up, and they can be in here with a, a good conscience. It's, you're using your gifts that way. But then you think about, we have a, a ministry, that, we have a team that goes to homeless shelters. We have a team that works with kids. We have teams that come and set up. Um, we have a prayer team that takes all the prayer requests and prays for them every week. We have... Um, all our, our husbands have a discipleship thing, and our wives have a discipleship thing. We have college students who are coming. And we have ministry teams that have not been created yet. People will say, y'all need, need to come up with a team that does this. I'm like, you come up with a team that does that. 
That's not usually the answer that people like. But when it comes to spiritual gifts, I mean, I, that's not, God didn't put that on my heart. I put that on your heart. My job as a pastor is to help, help make your dreams come true, so to speak, and to help make that a... That sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Uh, my job is, is like when you, when you have those things that God puts in your heart, you're like, I, we need to, I think we need to do this. I want to help make that happen. You know, and that's what the elders and the staff, that's what we want to do. It's like, okay, let's, let's take a couple people who have the same, get worked up by the same stuff, mash all together and send you out and see what happens. And so um, we're not just trying to fill slots. You know, we're not trying to get, I don't know, we're not trying to play church. I mean, this is the way the body expresses love and expresses who God is to one another and to the world. I mean, so when we get this stuff going, we're not, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this, that's what it's about. We're not trying to have this church that's like blowing and going, and we're not trying to buy land and like have this big empire. There's already a kingdom. We don't need to build a rival one. We're just trying to be faithful. And that's why, I think that's why, part of why God had to spend so long talking about this, this stuff and ramping up to it and talking about love before we talk about gifts, because I think this could be pivotal for us. I think this could be something we look back on and it's like, man, that, that really ignited some things. Um, so yeah, so you think about our, our church or the church that you go to. The last one, you just, you just jump in and you find out. You just, you just got to go for it. And that's, that is a part of, of my testimony, and I know I'm not the only one. I went on a, I'm just going to be quick. I went on a BCM ski trip, and the topic was spiritual gifts of the Bible studies at night, you know, because you've got to have Bible studies to justify it. And so uh, it was spiritual gifts, and I felt so guilty because I felt like I hadn't used my gifts. And so I thought that meant I needed to play bass at Zor. That was, that was like my conclusion, was I need to go back, tell Brother Mark that I'll play bass at Zor because I need a bass player. And so um, before I could tell Brother Mark, a um, uh, deal came up for me to go, and they needed somebody to lead the singing for like three Sundays at this church. And so I did it. That turned into, into like a year. And then um, weird turn of events that in all reality could have sent me away from ministry completely. But uh, for some reason, God opened another door back at Zor, working with youth and music. And so I got in there, and it wasn't long before I recognized, like, I love these kids, but youth ministry is just not my thing. And music ministry definitely is my thing. And then a door opened for college ministry, and I was like, oh, this might be, might be something. I get there, and I'm thinking, yeah, college ministry, that's cool. And then um, one thing leads to another, and all of a sudden we're talking about playing the church, and then the next thing I'm teaching on Sunday nights, and then, then I'm not doing any music, and now I'm just teaching, and now I'm, you know, whatever, and we're having to start this, uh, just boom, and now here we are tonight. And that's 12 years of my life, and I'm still having to look at doors as they open, have the, as God opens them, and have the guts to walk through it, which is a huge challenge. And letting Him refine and change giftings and interests and all this kind of stuff. 
like I said, if he had told me on that ski trip, this is what you're going to do, I would have freaked out. And he revealed a little at a time. And I'm not saying, look at me, I was so obedient, I'm so awesome. That's not it. I'll give you a list 50 times longer than that of disobedience. But that was the path that he had me on. That was a part of spiritual gift development. It didn't happen overnight necessarily. I had to jump in and figure out. Some things I figured out, this is not what I want to do. This is not how I'm gifted. And in a lot of those ways, I knew when we started talking about a church, I was like, man, I'm an administrative nightmare. I've got to have some administratively gifted people around me or else it's going to just completely die. So sometimes you figure out your gifts by figuring out what you're not gifted at. So you've got to jump in. You've got to try stuff. But back in 1 Timothy, let me finish with this. We're going to sing a little bit and we're going to go. Some of y'all got school tomorrow. 1 Timothy, I think there's two ways we can go. 1 Timothy 4, 14 says, Do not neglect the gift that you have. And I know some of you feel like you feel guilty because you've been neglecting the gift that you have. It's not about guilt. That's not it. It's that encouraging push forward. It's that amazing like sense of vision that God brings to his kids by look what look what is in front of you look at what I have envisioned in the church look at the role that I believe you play in this Paul's encouraging Timothy and I believe the spirit through them is encouraging us not to neglect the gifts that we have in chapter 2 I'm sorry in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6 it says, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. To fan it into flame. I think this uh, series ends very appropriately because basically the ball is now in our court um, to see are we going to be faithful stewards, good stewards of God's very grace, or will we neglect, you know? Will we refuse to let him fan into flame those things? Um, I don't know about you, but I love um, in Ephesians 4 when it's talking about the bride and the church functioning, and it talks about everything working properly. I'm all about him bringing us to that point. So I hope those practical things are helpful, um, but we really have to make decisions before that, you know. Do you want to be a good steward or not? And that is between you and him. So I'm going to pray. Band, y'all come on. And uh, we're going to do a song or two. I'll let this sink in a little bit. So maybe it's a good time for you to, to really think what this series and what these uh, chapters in 1 Corinthians have to do with you. Because um, this may be a pivotal time for you as well. Let me pray for us. God, thanks for... Thanks for the last couple of weeks, God, between the community groups and Sunday nights. I just feel like you've just been stirring so much. And God, we want to be good stewards of everything that you have graciously given to us. And God, specifically the ways that you show up in our lives. So help, and help guide us, Father. 
I pray, God, that we would first just be stirred up for the church, for your glory. That we would refuse to neglect anymore. And God, not in a super dramatic way or in any kind of whatever, God, that we would just sincerely sing these songs tonight as prayers to you because of what you're stirring in our hearts.